Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Philip Katafimo with Believe in Angels on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Uh, I want to thank Foolish Baseball for coming on uh, Tuesday's show to talk about uh, the COVID-19 incident, talk about his channel. It's a great interview. If you haven't gotten a chance to check that out, check it out, and then check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash foolishbaseball. Today's show, I am joined by a familiar face, Ian Edward Nielsen of the Incline Podcast, which you can find on Spotify. It is a Dodger Center podcast. I was curious how fans on the other side of the Los Angeles spectrum were feeling, so I thought I'd hit up Ian and, and talk to him again about uh, about the Dodgers, about the Mookie Betts trade, about the uh, World Series scandal. I haven't talked to him since that scandal. Uh, and then as well, he's a Rams fan, so the Rams just brought out a new logo. Curious what he thought about that. It's a great interview. Go check that out and go check him out on Twitter at Ian E. Nielsen on Twitter. And uh, obviously check out the Incline podcast. So got a great show for you today. I want to say a happy belated opening day to you. I know it was a little bit of a weirder opening day this year, not being able to actually go to the games. But I think the MLB and all the other TV networks and, and media outlets that did a great job of just pushing as much baseball as possible yesterday um, I think that's brilliant. I, I think that's a really, really good way to sort of ease the the feeling of dread that I know I feel because there's no sports. And it was really nice to sort of, you know, go check out uh, the the Game 7 of the 2016 World Series or, or watch Clayton Kershaw's no-hitter or watch the 2002 World Series. So there is a lot of great stuff going on yesterday. This episode was recorded yesterday, um, but uh, I... Didn't finish it in time, so I'm doing the intro now. It is Friday today. I hope everybody is doing okay. I hope you're continuing to socially distance yourself, wash your hands frequently, and make sure that you cover your mouth when you cough and sneeze. We can seriously get through this. We just take those simple steps in our daily lives. Um, I genuinely really hope everybody is doing okay. It's a really, really scary time right now, but I know we can get through it. So with that being said, if you're interested in in, uh, advertising with the show, again, Believe.com. We can be contacted at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Social media is there, at Believe Podcast. We also have at Believe Sports. We have a couple other sub Instagrams that a lot of our sports will be directed to. Maybe there's, I think there's one for music and stuff like that. So we're sort of centralizing a lot of these locations. So go check those out. I am on Twitter at intern underscore Phil. I will continue to say this until somebody tweets at me and I don't know you or I don't already have already interacted with you. Um, I'll send you an Angels thing. I don't know what it's going to be. Don't expect like a Mike Trout jersey or anything cool, but something really neat that I think I'll find, and I I really think somebody will enjoy that. So if you tweet me a question, at intern underscore Phil on Twitter, I promise I'll send you something in return as a thank you for interacting with me, and I'd love to get a fan question segment going here, and hopefully once baseball starts, we can hopefully get that going. So once again, enjoy this episode with Ian Edward Nielsen. Jim will be back next week. I've also got a great interview with a gentleman who knows a lot about fantasy baseball, so that's going to be a lot of fun on Wednesday. And with that, I'll send you the episode. So enjoy this interview with Ian Edward Nielsen. I am joined by one of the voices of the Incline podcast that can be found on Spotify. He is not too unfamiliar with being on this show before. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Edward Nielsen. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, how's it going? How are we doing? Uh, well, we're doing all right. You know, COVID-19 is still continuing, uh, and uh, we're all still trying to figure out what to do. Also, Ian, uh, happy opening day. Uh, yeah, I guess so. If you uh, want to watch games that you already know the outcomes to, so that, that's uh, 
hey, if that's what you want to do, more power to you. Well, I guess it's uh, I guess it maybe falls into the category of like better this than nothing. I guess I'm good with that. I mean, I've been MLB the show's kind of been keeping me through. Um, so uh, man, I can't wait for opening day. I know that much. Uh, I can't wait to see the Astros get booed in Anaheim by a bunch of Dodger fans whenever that day will come. Well, hopefully it'll come soon. So, speaking of COVID-19, how have you been passing the time during this uh, pandemic? Um, well, in trying to navigate online classes is a time-consuming in itself, uh, because as you guys might know, I go to Arizona State University. Um, obviously, with COVID-19, we were sent home for the semester to finish our classes online. So that alone takes up a bunch of time. Outside of that, um, I just got a DJ mixer, so I'm learning how to DJ you know, hey. so when this is all over. It'll be a hell of a time, and other than that, just playing video games, studying up on stats, and trying to be as knowledgeable and as much of a know-it-all as I can when the season comes around. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm also passing the time playing MLB The Show. I've been playing that with my roommate a lot. Uh, we thankfully had early access to it. I wanted to be a, a, a little more frugal and uh, spend a little bit more money to, to play it three days earlier because... We don't know what the hell we were going to do that weekend. But anyway, uh, so what do you think the baseball season is going to look like after this event is over? Uh, it'll be a somewhat shortened season, I predict. Um, my prediction stands, I, I would say, regular season action begins sometime around Memorial Day, early June. I will say that there is some signs of optimism, um, though there's a lot of questions about this. I think we're finally really starting to get this under control to a degree. We're getting to the point where testing is you know, becoming more available uh, things are changing. So I, I would imagine that um, we may see MLB without fans on opening day, but actual Major League Baseball regulation games will probably start sometime in June. I could see them pushing the season back into late November for the playoffs. Um, double headers. I don't think that with this kind of schedule starting in June, the season will be very short. I think it'll maybe lose 20, 30 games. I think we stay over 100 games, uh, which will give us you know, a fairly pretty good marathon to figure out who's good. You're not going to have a, you know, 30-game season where you have a team like the Orioles in the playoffs because they got hot for a week. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. Um, I really need this baseball season to get started because, as you guys might know, I am a Dodgers fan and cover them, and getting Mookie bets for nothing would be just an absolute travesty, and it would make a ton of sense with the kind of luck the Dodgers have had since 1988. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this season, um, but... You know, it's still a ways away. Well, you kind of answered my second question, which was going to be, if we did have a shortened season where we played maybe about 50 to 40 games, do you think you could see a team like the Blue Jays, the Marlins, or the Tigers making a run to the playoffs? I know you're a big uh, Yimi Garcia guy who is now with the Marlins. I know you also have been really, really pressing about the Rays recently. Do you think we could see some of those quote-unquote bad teams in a full season actually make a good run at the playoffs if we play a limited amount of games? You know, it's funny you would bring that up because I just mentioned something on Twitter about uh, the kind of teams you will see in the playoffs. And I'll list them to you right now. Okay. With a shortened season, and I here's one of the things I think a shortened season can be very good for baseball, not revenue-wise, but at least in terms of viewership and the kind of teams you're going to see. Because there's a lot of teams out there, like the Philadelphia Phillies, who, if you remember, a couple years back were in control in that division up until the last month, and they ran out of gas because they didn't have depth. You're going to see teams that have more star power. You're going to see teams that are younger, more vibrant, exciting. I think the Padres are one. Uh, the Marlins are one. Of the you know middle tier good teams, Philadelphia, Chicago Cubs, White Sox, perhaps you'll see these kind of teams in the playoffs. The teams that a shortened season is going to hurt will most certainly be the St. Louis Cardinals, who really lack star power, who really lack, obviously as we saw in the playoffs, anything 
um, when it comes to a certain season to get you through and beat the best teams. They get their strict on depth. I think the Cleveland Indians are somewhat of the same caliber. Tampa Bay, in my opinion, long season, short season is a good team. They're, they're so young. They're talented. They're deep. They remind me of the Dodgers before the Dodgers started signing guys. Um, but, yes, I, I really would not be surprised in a shortened season. You will see teams like a Marlins possibly in the pennant race. You could see the Padres, the Diamondbacks. Uh, Angels are one team that really sticks out to me as well. I'm not just saying that because this is an Angels show. Um, the Angels have the star power, and they completely lack the depth. That's what I criticize them on. Starting pitching depth is not there. Bullpen's got talent. Uh, starting lineup's got talent. Shohei Otani's got ace potential when healthy. They're another team I could see making a run. So this is going to be good for baseball. You're going to see teams, unlike the Cardinals, you're going to see Bryce Harper. You're going to see Rendon. You're going to see Trout potentially. Pete Alonzo. You're going to see the superstars, DeGrom. I like it. Uh, you know, obviously spring training was cut short, but you did make it down to uh, Camelback Ranch to go see the Dodgers play. From the few times you went, what was your assessment of Dodgers spring training this season? Man, I am so bummed that they're not playing right now, and I'm not skipping class to watch them <laughs> because that team is so talented. My God. I, I mean, I, I went to David Price's last start, and the dude fanned about, I don't know, a 1,000 people in like two innings. He, he, I think he went about four innings, struck out eight or nine guys not just that game, but over the course of the couple games he pitched. Right. He looked outstanding. Um, they had so many Dark Horse ca- uh, Canada guys. Joe Kelly, Blake Trinan, um, dudes that were looking to rebound. Kenley Jansen was starting to throw up in, you know, his familiar territory from 16-17 when he was so dominant. Uh, outside of that, that lineup, you know, it speaks for itself. Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts and Turner – all of them were healthy. Jock Peterson was going to be healthy. This team is so talented, um, and I really hope this season gets started because I was watching them at spring training, practice field games, you name it. Um, lineup was what I thought it was, and the pitching even impressed me more than I thought it would. David Price looked like he was about to be an all-star the way he was pitching. So the last time you and I spoke was eight, well, it was uh, October 18th of last year, a month later. Uh, the cheating scandal comes out about the Houston Astros uh, fully cheating in the 2017 World Series and receiving almost zero penalty for it. Now that you've had some time to reflect, what are your thoughts regarding the whole incident? Um, you know, I, I will say, I'll preface it by saying I understand there are regulations in Major League Baseball to what you can do. I realize that a $5 million fine is currently the maximum. I understand that in you know business, when it comes to corporations, when it comes to large industries, you have to obey the rules and you have to obey the regulations set. Completely understand that. With that being said, Rob Manfred, as I outlined in an episode of The Incline, I can link it later on Twitter, I um, did some research, looked through the MLB Constitution in comparison to the NBA Constitution, and Rob Manfred absolutely dropped the ball on this incident. And I can say that for the one reason, that though Jim Crane who probably was not at all involved with this, probably didn't advocate for it, potentially didn't even know about it for a very long time. Jim Crane needed to be the fall guy. And here's why I say that. In the NBA, Donald Sterling, as we know with the Clippers, before Steve Ballmer owned him, made some very insensitive comments, and Adam Silver did not take kindly to it. It was bad for the league. Mm -hmm. He got him out of there with far less power. The NBA commissioner has far less power to punish and remove commissioners. owners, governors, whatever you want to call them. And in the MLB, Rob Manfred has the ability, if what is going on is bad for the game, if it's unjust, if it's corrupt, owner can be removed. 
team can be put up for sale. Someone can get punished. And I think with something like this that was so severe, in my opinion, the worst scandal in baseball history, worst scandal in the history of North American sports, you need to you got to do it to the owner. I don't care if you knew or not. You need to set an example because if that happens, owners around the league are not going to tolerate it. They don't want to lose their teams. They don't want to lose their money. They don't want to lose their revenue. Ownership groups and owners will take this seriously if you do that. So Rob Manford dropped the ball, in my opinion, and he seemed to be more concerned about protecting Astros players that can get hit. Um, all I can say is this will not be forgotten, and Astros players will lead the league and hit by pitches, and it'll be a long time before this is forgiven, if ever. And, you know, Rob Manford had the chance to do something right, and I think too much time has passed. And um, I would just hope that this doesn't happen again. And if it happens again, start taking the owners and giving the teams up for sale. There's tons of people ready to buy a Major League Baseball franchise. What fascinates me about this whole situation is two things, and the second one is a question. But the first is, um, you know, uh, the, this entire process that's been going on, uh, the, the, the biggest question for me is, like, you know, you don't allow guys like Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame who, while he did technically bet against or for his team or something like that, and he was uh, something to do with him being a manager, but but either way, Pete Rose as a player was clean. He was one of the best, is arguably one of the best hitters in baseball. He fully deserves to be inducted as a player, should not be inducted as a manager, but has been completely barred from the MLB, whereas a guy like Alex Bregman, who it has been proven that cheated in the World Series, earned a World Series ring in the wrong way, will potentially be on the Hall of Fame ballot at some point if his career continues the way that it has. My second point to that is, do you think that this might be, for the, you know, the reasons why they didn't hand out such a harsh punishment, do you think that might be because maybe this whole you know, television thing was, was something the MLB knew about and was something that they were just kind of patiently looking at and curious what was going to happen with it, and then when people started catching on, that's when they went, oh, you guys need to stop, and the Astros just didn't stop. So do you think that the less severe punishment was due to the fact that the that Rob Manfred and the MLB did not want this coming back onto them? So in a lot of ways, they kind of, well, what's the least we can do so that it's something, but it's not really anything? Do you think that maybe this has something to do with the MLB in general? Oh, absolutely. Um I can say, and this is somewhat of a straw man argument, but on Rob Manfred's character, um, it's pretty apparent he doesn't care about the game, and it's pretty apparent he's different from other commissioners in the history of the game. Um, the juice balls and then being unjuiced for the playoffs was absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I understand he cares about offense, and obviously stealing signs is a thing of that. Can't prove that he knew anything about the Astros, but what I can say is I've heard stories, and there's reports out there, that the Houston Astros were known cheaters by the Washington Nationals in 2019 in the World Series before this all came out. Brian Dozier knew about it. Brian Dozier played on the L.A. Dodgers the season before. In the World Series against Alex Cora, who was part of the 2017 Astros. The Red Sox, as we've seen, are also being investigated, and it just ended. Manfred will be handing out the punishments to them as well. This was known about in the league. I'm not sure if you remember, but Angels catcher now, Jonathan LaCroix, there is a story about he knew this. People knew this in the league. Obviously, teammates knew this. This was going on. And I will say, the Houston Astros, from reports I've heard, are not the only team that's done this. To this degree, they prob- probably are. Right. But this was a problem in baseball. Similar to steroids. Steroids were not illegal in baseball, performance-enhancing drugs, up until, I believe, 2003, mm-hmm. when it became such an injustice and it was becoming ridiculously unfair. 
because home run hitters and big offenses bring in casual fans, something Major League Baseball has trouble with. The NFL, through all the scandals they have, dominate the sports world, and the NBA is still player-driven. that You get captivated by LeBron and Curry and Kawhi and all these players. The MLB lacks that, and right. the MLB is pretty far behind these other leagues in terms of marketability. And I believe that offense is the number one most interesting thing to casual fans, and I understand it. Uh, baseball is a little bit complex of a game if you don't, you know, have the appreciation of someone like me or a traditional baseball fan. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But I will say that the Houston Astros, two things. One, we're known about for a long time in the league, and I have a hard time believing Rob Manfred would not know, or Major League Baseball, that entire department, would not know, with players knowing. And beyond that, this now creates a very interesting opportunity for Major League Baseball in which now, in the playoffs, because I imagine Houston's a playoff team still. Right. I still think they're talented enough to get there. You've created an absolute villain in baseball. Granted, it's going to be a little bit forgotten about because the COVID-19 story has captivated the world. With that being said, the Houston Astros are now a scapegoat in Major League Baseball that will be boosting for ratings. You will see a lot of national games where Houston's playing. Now you get to the playoffs, the New York Yankees and L.A. Dodgers, you've turned an entire country on the backs of the Yankees and the Dodgers and all these you know, big powerhouses that you're supposed to hate if they do, in fact, play the Houston Astros. This is must-see TV in 2020 and beyond. So I think this does, MLB looked at it as an opportunity to be the bad guy, and I think Manfred is decent with business, so I think they look at it as that. What really fascinates about this about, or what really fascinates me about this whole situation as well, you mentioned the steroid scandal. You know, steroids weren't technically illegal until they became a problem in the MLB, where you saw guys cranking out about 60, 50, or even 70, if you're Barry Bonds, yeah. home runs a season. And they went, well, this is a little weird, so maybe we'll just stop with the steroids and move on to something else. And on the flip side, stealing signs technically is not illegal either. If a pitcher is pitching tit, or tipping pitches or uh, it's, it's just blatantly obvious what they're throwing or calling, that's, that's not on anybody else. So, w- w- again, this just kind of fascinates me. It's just like, uh, you know, was the Astros' offense just, you know, they, they knew about what was going on. Rob Manford knew what was going on, and he kind of looked at this and went, oh, okay, well, they're hitting a lot of home runs. We're getting a lot of good, good – uh, uh, again, a lot of good um, um, TV revenue from this. The Astros are definitely a top team. They're not our usual teams that are super good. They've never been to the World Series. Uh, they've never won a World Series. All right, well, we'll let them. We'll let to see how this plays out. And they kept getting better and better. And then, uh, obviously, Dan Farquhar, or Farquhar, or however you pronounce that, he caught on to it, and then a bunch of other people caught into it, like you just said. Uh, it's it's weird, you know. It's 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 such a weird situation. And then maybe the MLB went, well, they're hitting too many home runs, so. Now we'll we'll look into this, and then the John Boy video came out, and then it just became an entire scandal, and that kind of pushed the MLB into a corner uh, to sort of hand out a punishment. I want to ask one more question regarding this this stupid scandal. Um, do you think that we will ever see a punishment handed down to the Astros from either Manfred in the future or a new commissioner in the MLB? From Manfred, absolutely not. He's done with this, and he's made it abundantly clear that he's done with this issue. Um, if they do it again, obviously, if they're found doing it again or there's some absolutely damning evidence of something even more drastic from what we already know, I guess possibly, but as far as the scandal goes, it's already been investigated, it's done, it's a shut case. Uh, another commissioner, uh, though there's a better chance of that happening with them, I still think it's not going to happen. I think the Houston Astros scandal is done, but in the court of public opinion, it's the same as, you know, 
when someone gets found out for a crime 20, 30 years after the statute of limitations passed, the court of public opinion is not going to forget. Right. And the Houston Astros have a permanent stain on them. If Barry Bonds, who was a Hall of Fame talent before, you know, his head blew up and he got muscular because he was never found taking steroids technically, he was a Hall of Fame player right. with Hall of Fame talent. And he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame, it looks like. Same goes with Roger Clemens. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think performance-enhancing drugs or steroids benefit you the way the Houston Astros were benefited. I'm just going to come out and say it. Mm-hmm. You still have to have talent to hit a ball, and you still have to have patience to work it count. Right. Sure, it can give you a little bit more strength, but if you look, very bonds over that career, probably who would have hit a very high number of home runs. Same with Alex Rodriguez. There's been studies on it. You know, I will say that Houston Astro players on this team will probably never get into the Hall of Fame, nor do I think any of them are really that Hall of Fame caliber material yet. None of them are. Uh, pitchers, that's a whole different story, but as far as the offensive players go, this is ruining their careers. Uh, A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau. Jeff Lunau was the most brilliant mind in baseball. He's unhirable. You can't hire him. Same with A.J. Hinch. Anyone part of that Astros organization has a you know scarlet letter essentially branded on their chest, and nobody wants them. And in free agency, you know, we'll see what happens. Certainly doesn't help guys out. So the punishment will not be handed out from a commissioner or an authority figure. Instead, it will, over a span of time, be imposed by others who have an opportunity to do it themselves. That's kind of the interesting thing about the MLB and sports in general is that it, it if the commissioner doesn't do it, the players will. Like you said, we are going to see, and we saw it during spring training, we're going to continue to see it all season long of players from the Astros, the significant ones that were caught cheating, will be hit with balls as they should. Let's move on to something else. Uh, Mookie Betts. Obviously, during this COVID-19 thing, the season is up in the air. Mookie Betts is a free agent next season. Will the Dodgers be able to keep him? Absolutely. They'll be able to keep him. If they will, that's more of a question. Um, Andrew Friedman did blow my mind a little bit by acquiring Mookie Betts. Um, He's never gone out in the offseason and made a drastic deal like that giving up MLB-quality talent that's very young, like Verdugo, as well as other prospects, such as Jeter Downs. But I still am unsure whether or not he's the kind of guy they sign long-term. Personally, I would do it in a heartbeat. If he produces the same kind of numbers in L.A. that he did in Boston, you have to do it. And if that means letting Justin Turner, whose contract is also up, walk, then you got to do it. Although I love Justin Turner, he's a very talented player. He knows his worth. And he can still get a three, four-year deal. Look at what Donaldson got. You can't tell me Justin Turner is much worse. I think he's offensively possibly more productive and consistent. Defensively, there's concerns, but you can move him to first base or DH if he goes to the American League. Mookie Betts is a cannot-miss player on this team. Mookie Betts has already proven not only his talent, but his leadership in the clubhouse. There's been multiple reports about him standing up in front of this new team and taking control, and that takes something special. And that's an intangible. It's the reason Eric Hosmer got paid in San Diego. And before he even got signed, I had questions about him as a player. His leadership got him that. And Mookie Betts not only has the talent of a top-five player, he's got the leadership of a Derek Jeter type. So I think that's something you have to keep in the clubhouse. Um, And I think he will definitely be the kind of guy. He's the kind of player that could get Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers to change up their traditional thinking because he's so young. Um, And the next year, that means Kershaw his contract would be up. And the Dodgers have shown that they're not really there to, you know, be nostalgic or, you know, harp on the past. And that could mean 
he walks if he doesn't accept a low enough deal. Um, my personal opinion, Betts needs to stay, and you need to pair him with Bellinger for the future. Will they do it? That remains to be seen. If he produces the kind of numbers he does, it's impossible for Andrew Friedman to say no to him, no matter what he asks. Ten-year deal, 400-type, $350 million deal, got to do it. Do you think the Dodgers will regret moving on from Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs? No. I, I, I say that because they, they still have an amazing farm system. Um, I believe Alex Verdugo is talented, um, but even when he was with the Dodgers last season, as good as he was, he, um, I definitely believe, has a ceiling. And I've seen it with certain players. Uh, Verdugo had a ceiling, similar to the way Jock Peterson does, though Peterson is primarily a power hitter that can only hit against righties. Verdugo is not the greatest power hitter. He has an excellent arm. Um, but he was never going to be a Bellinger type player, and he already had history of injuries. You know, missing a good significant portion of uh, this last season. As far as the infield goes, um, I don't think Corey Seager's going anywhere anytime soon. Gavin Lux is the future. Uh, they have tons of young guys coming up every year. They have Cody Hosey and Michael Bush that were, you know, top picks in the draft last season. Uh, the infield's not a concern to me. Connor Wong probably was never going to get a shot at the MLB anyways with the Dodgers. Um, but if this season gets canceled and Betts is gone, yes, I say they regret it. If this season happens and they're a winning, successful team with Betts, even if it's for one year, I don't think they regret it for a second. Well, I think it's a win-win regardless. If the Dodgers do keep Mookie Betts past this season or they don't, as long as they win a World Series, I think this entire trade is a success for Los Angeles. They rent a player like Mookie Betts to put them over the hump that they've been trying to get over since 1988, and they move on from Alex Verdugo, who, like you mentioned, does have a lot of potential, but not entirely sure where he's going to be in a few years, where you know what you're going to get from Mookie Betts. Jeter Downs, Really good second base prospect, solid defensively. The Red Sox need him more than the Dodgers do. Connor Wong, like you said, Will Smith is there. Kieber Ruiz is there. Really no room for Connor Wong uh, in terms of the catching depth for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I also don't not very high on Connor Wong, if in my own opinion. But uh, let's move on to this, Ian. I know you're a big Jared Goff guy. I know you're a big Rams fan. Uh, you they recently changed their logo. Now I. Not a huge fan of the new logo, but then again, I'm not a Rams fan, so I thought that I'd ask you, what is your thoughts on the new Rams logo? Well, I can say for certain that this rebrand is a success due to the fact that they have at least adopted the history of the golden days of the Rams, of the Eric Dickerson era in the 80s. They've brought back the vibrant blue and gold. Um, I think that's what fans have wanted. With that being said, the L.A. logo doesn't make much sense to me. And I'll tell you this much, I went on NFLShop.com, and when it gives you all the teams, seeing that L.A. logo that looks like the Internet Explorer with the banana croissant horn, it doesn't look like a football team. The Ram Head logo that they've redesigned, kind of, it's like a modern take on their old Ram Head from like the 40s and 50s and 60s right. that they used to have in L.A., I, I'm a huge fan of that logo, though I would like to see, you know, maybe the eyes being a little bit more fierce. I think it's an excellent logo. I don't know why they're not running with that one. Um, the, the tough thing for me is I, I really did like the current logo they had, the current Ram logo, but that was born and burst in the St. Louis era with the gold horns and the navy and the navy blue, and the Rams need to distance themselves from St. Louis. That's the number one thing they need to do with this rebrand, distance themselves from the fact that they ever left because it was a huge mistake. 
on a multitude of levels. They really need to distance themselves from that. So even though it costs maybe, you know, sacrificing a very good logo, in my opinion, for a lesser logo, the fact that they brought back the colors, um, if, the, if they, you know, listen to the fans, stop with this L.A. croissant, and go to the Ramhead with the block letters, that's an excellent rebrand. And I'm still waiting to see what the uniforms are. My guess um, would be that it's very similar to the home uniforms you've seen them wear at the Coliseum, the blue and gold, the classic ones, with a modern take somewhat. Um, as long as they don't mess up the uniforms too badly, I think the rebrand is successful. They're bringing back the L.A. spirit. Um, my, my biggest advice is just go to the Ramhead. It's a solid logo, historic take. I like it. Do you think that we're going to see that L.A. logo on the side of the helmets, or we're going to see the Ram? No, absolutely. It'll, it'll be the horns. I, I would be shocked if it's anything but the horns. Though I will say the horn where it's got the little cut in it is probably the horn we'll see. Okay. It'll probably look like a more three-dimensional aerodynamic horn. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, I mean, the, yeah, the L.A. logo, I would be shocked if that's on the side. Most teams are smart enough not to put an entire decal like that on their helmet. That would be a disaster. But if they can just stick with the horns, uh, keep the colors the way they are, you know, you're not going to be looking at the logo on the field. You're going to be looking at the product, hopefully in good uniform. Ian, where can the people find you? People can find me at Ian E. Nielsen on Twitter or on Instagram. And, yeah, I work with the Incline and Dodgers Lowdown, so if you're interested in that, follow those pages as well. And as for the Rams, I'm very interested to see how they do next season. It'll be a rebuilding year for sure. Well, not all of us can have the luxury of Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. But regardless, Ian, I want to thank you for taking the time and uh, talking about some Dodger baseball and some Rams football. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.